The Microsoft Fast Track Success by Design Framework. Is it the latest iteration of SureStep? Ooh. Or is it a repeatable approach that partners should consider adopting in Enterprise Dynamics 365 projects? Welcome to the Amazing Apps Show for Microsoft business applications creators who want to make amazing, agile, Dynamics 365 and Power Platform applications that everyone will love. Welcome to Amazing Applications. I'm your host, Business Applications MVP, Neil Benson. I've had a couple of spring camping trips with the family over the past couple of weekends, and either side of that, I was oiling the deck at the front of our house. I was on my hands and knees, sanding, I don't know, it's about 20 square meters of hardwood by hand, twice, and then sanding the sides of all the little boards, and I'm feeling erect. I've lost a finger on the end of my fingers to the sandpaper, so I, I can't even open my phone. And the result, I have to say, is uh, fairly mediocre. <laughs> it was a timely reminder for me to either hire a professional who knows what they're doing or get the right tools for the job. And when I'm looking at a DIY job like that, I always wonder whether I'm better hiring a professional so that I can go and enjoy my free time and make some more money building business applications or whether I should tackle it myself take a break from building business applications and enjoy the reward that comes from a physical job well done. Yeah, I think I'll outsource it next time. I've been digging into the Microsoft Fast Track Success by Design framework recently, and I wanted to share my findings and my learnings with you. But rather than try and tackle it myself, I've brought in a professional. Seth Kircher is the Principal Fast Track Solution Architect Manager and he leads the team of Fast Track Solution Architects in the Americas. Seth and I cover the role of Fast Track, the origins of the success by design framework, as well as its future. You'll find show notes to the resources and to the trainings that we discuss, as well as a transcript at amazingapps.show slash 103. Here's Seth Kircher. Seth Kircher, welcome to the Amazing Applications Podcast. It's great to have you on the show. Neil, it's great to, uh, to be here. And uh, one of the things that, that I wanted to just start off by saying is about four or five years ago in a slightly different role at Microsoft, I had the benefit um, of having two college hires. There was a program that's now called Microsoft Aspire, which was called Mock or Microsoft Academy of College Hires. And we put together a rigorous kind of plan for these college hires to come in. And um, part of that was getting the certifications in Dynamics 365. And when they were Amber and Anna, where their names were studying for the exam, I remember them sending an email to me in Neil Benson, we trust because of the, the content that you had written about a certain exam preparation and so forth. And just thought that would be funny in the context of introductions to, uh, to let you know that inside of the ranks of Microsoft's and, and individuals getting their start with Dynamics 365, that we were relying on you. So it's oh, really nice to be here. Oh, that's embarrassing. <laughs> okay. I'll have to send that to my wife. She'll, she'll never believe it. Okay. I did. I wrote a CRM 2011 customization exam guide a long time ago. And in fact, I just got from the publisher, I just got my most recent royalty statement. So uh, the book is earning around about 30 pence. That's about 50 cents a quarter in royalties. And as hey. soon as I get to 75 pounds, they'll pay out. So maybe in about 2030, there'll be another royalties check. 
I don't That's know who's great. buying the today. Uh, so, so I wonder if you could take a moment just to introduce yourself to our audience. We'd love to know a little bit more about you. Yeah, for sure. My name's Seth Kircher, and I look after Dynamics 365 Fast Tracks customer engagement business in the United States, Canada, and Latin America. In addition to a couple of managers, there's a whole team that uh, that reports up through to me a set of solution architects that focus primarily on attaching to qualified customer projects and seeing them through from basically project kickoff all the way to go live stabilization. And if you know. Anything about fast track, we're not a, a proxy or a replacement for the partner. There should be a signed statement of work between customer and partner. We're not a proxy for support. What we really are is a set of feet on the street, customer facing engineering resources that can link customer project interactions, feedback, et cetera, directly to engineering. So that's the group yeah. I look after. So I, I worked on a recent implementation for a local customer here in Brisbane called the Royal Automobile Club of Queensland, RACQ, and we had a fast track architect assigned and it was really useful touch point. We checked in at least once a week, escalated any issues, but also got a lot of feedback on our architectural designs, some of the patterns and practices we were trying to adopt, and also trying to get a sneak peek into what's coming next uh, with the Microsoft product suite. Is that a typical way that fast track engages with Microsoft partners and customers? It is. Yeah, I think you you articulated it really well in the early stages of the project where there's work that's being done to understand what are the requirements and how will those shape in into the context of an actual solution. The best case scenario is that the project leadership, the technical architects or debt leads are having an interaction with the solution architect from Fast Track where Hey, my last implementation, this is what we did. It seemed to work well, but is that pattern based on what's coming from a roadmap perspective still viable? And so in the best case scenario, we're linking to connect with one another in a meaningful way to, to really just look at what are the, the patterns that will lead to a durable roadmap line to solution. So in that front end of the project, like it should be very much something along those lines. And as we veer into later stages of the implementation lifecycle, once we start to get into testing, Fast Track should be there again, not necessarily as a proxy for support, but if you think about support as this break fix minded organization, when we go through bug triage and it's identified that indeed there's a product issue, what's great is that once that support ticket has confirmed that, geez, this is a product issue, we can go directly to engineering get them engaged in the context that we can bring to those discussions. Hey, we're about to enter systems integration testing right now. And ultimately the customer has three weeks until then. And you're talking about a bug fix that's five weeks. Microsoft doesn't want to be the reason that the customer can't be successful. And so Fast Track can bring voice to that. Um, and ultimately, when we look at just identifying risk that uh, that might exist from a project or from a technical perspective, another set of eyes, not as a police person or that sort of thing, but really as a partner to to ensure, well, wait a second, maybe this isn't something that we saw as risky, but it's not always that the partner, for example, and the governance model that they bring in the context of their methodology would be able to unearth, or maybe they did unearth a particular risk, but it's not being paid attention to. And so we can partner together uh, with our partner counterparts to really drive home the message of, if we accept this risk, these are the things that might turn out, and we're here to help maximize your investment in Dynamics 365. So let's use that what we know works and what we know is anti-pattern to to steer clear from the the things that might uh, interrupt or impact a customer's investment in the in the platform and product. That really aligns with my experience as well. Not every project or customer 
scenario qualifies for a fast track engagement. Can you clarify for me, because it might have changed since last time I checked, what are the qualifying criteria for fast track participating in a customer's project? Yeah, it's great. Up until January 1st of 2021, people who are familiar with the fast track program aligned to Dynamics 365 may be under this impression that the only customer band that we serve are customers who have have spent an annual contract value 300,000 US dollars or above. That has been the case from a sort of a basic eligibility criteria for a long time. And when we look at what are the apps that we cover, it's a specific set from a CE perspective. It's sales, uh, marketing, customer service, field service, project operations on the F&O side. There's a set that are covered. But starting in January 1st, we essentially said, what is it that we can do to serve more customers at a lower band of investment? And so on January 1st, we modified the program wherein Customers that are spending uh, anywhere from 100,000 US dollars up to 300,000 US dollars are eligible for Fast Track. But we deliver that program slightly differently because now what we're talking about is a much greater just pool of customers who are eligible. The way that, you know, since we're not an infinitely scalable team, the way that we serve that band from 100 to 300,000 US dollars is to uh, partner more closely with the the Dynamics 365 implementation partner that's been chosen so that when we engage in the framework that we call success by design, well, when it comes to uh, coming up with findings and recommendations, that is the fast track solution architect that's going to do that within the 100 to 300k uh, band project. Same thing is true when we talk about the, the project that's above 300,000, but We rely a little bit more heavily on the partner to allow us to scale. Whereas in that 300K or above scenario, I as a fast track solution architect might carry a portfolio of 10 customers multiplied by the number of projects that they have. Let's call it 10 to 15. And I'm carrying those completely myself where we look at a a fast track solution architect who's working with that 100 to 300K band, they may have 30 projects with a higher number of customers. And the way that we scale is say, when we go through a solution blueprint review, which is a structured way of in the early stages of the project, lifting up rocks, looking underneath them and trying to identify project and technical risk, we'll actually ask the partner who's engaged to go through that kind of fact finding and bring that information forward so that It's the fast track solution architect who's then looking at that information, using it to come up with a set of findings and recommendations. And we're doing it a little bit more closely together. Whereas in the 300K or above criteria, uh, Ben, what what we find is that the fast track solution architect would embed more deeply into the project and do that work themselves. Not that we're not tied at the hip from a, you know, project team perspective, but ultimately there's a little bit less reliance on the partner to, uh, to assist in uh, in gathering that information. Okay. What's common to both is where fast track essays are always the ones that are delivering those findings and recommendations, if that makes sense, that come out yeah. of our workshops. You haven't mentioned something that fast track was famous for at least a couple of years ago, and that was doing on-premises to online migrations. Mm-hmm. And I guess that's partly because that program has opened up now that certain partners can execute that program and yeah. undertake some of the work that only fast track could do before. Yeah. But also, I guess there's fewer customers Doing those migrations, most of them have gone already. So um, maybe there's just less work out there that's, you know, that kind of characterization. 
Yeah, it's actually a really great point. And I'd be remiss to have missed the the opportunity to talk to about OPDOL. But yeah, going back to the early days of that program, the central premise was we've got a ton of customers who have made an investment in Microsoft CRM or Dynamics. And, and ultimately, they've got this workload that they've been carrying along. I want to get this to uh, a place where I can go online. But as soon as you look at the effort associated to that without a way to automate the migration to the cloud, it becomes a compelling event, quite frankly, for any organization to say, wait a second, if we're going to go into the cloud and we've got to do that kind of heavy lifting, we really, we got to think twice about, are we on the right platform? And so there was an incredible motivation by engineering to say, look, we, we want to respect customers who have been with us for a long time and serving customer engagement needs through a Microsoft solution. And so there have been efforts constantly over the course of the last number of years to refine the PDOL, which essentially will, if you've gone through the process before, take an on-premise workload and restore the customer's database, their users, their securities uh, profiles, et cetera, to the cloud service. And there's a step in between that is required. Sometimes customers that have the capability uh, internally, the bench strength technically to do this will take it on. But in most cases, that step is we do a differential comparison of, okay, you were on-premise in this particular version. These are the things that have deprecated and changed. Here's you know code that needs to be rewritten. And ultimately, there's a remediation step in there. And so very often what's happening besides the restore process of your database into the cloud is... What are the things that I need to update? FastTrack doesn't do that work. We partner with whoever it is the technical resources are, whether partner or customer, to, to get that remediation done. And when that remediation is done, we do a couple of dry runs to see did it where the kinks worked out, and then we move forward. Um, this reduces the cost for customers to get online and overall duration. If you were talking about a re-implementation or trying to do this manually on your own, it's not even an apples to apples comparison. Right. So we're still strong there. We're seeing, I don't know, something like two or three go lives per per week for customers that are that are moving on premise to online. And that's just been a steady trickle of being able to honestly help customers to do more, quite frankly, with Dynamics 365. I haven't met an on-premise customer for a long time and I thought they were all gone. So it's it's good. It's amazing they're still out there and yeah. still going online. So that's great. How does Fast Track fit in with some of the other teams at Microsoft? You've mentioned a heavy focus on Dynamics 365 customers. And I'm going to assume just for a moment that excludes Power Platform customers that have made big investments in Power Apps and Power BI and Power Virtual Agents and Power Automate, that unless they've made a decent investment in Dynamics 365 licenses that they're not really eligible for, for a fast track engagement. Is that right? Yeah, it's, it's actually a really interesting question, Neil. And we've got a, a sister organization within customer and partner success, which sits under James Phillips organization, what's called now Digital Transformation Platform Group. Uh, that sister organization is PowerCat and they serve customers, a certain segment of customers who have made extensive investments in Power Apps licenses. Technically, Dynamics 365, as we know, is a, is it Power App? But our structure and our focus is really around the project event. If you think about certain customers that are out there driving investments in, in Power Apps, that's a, in many cases, it's a citizen developer model where we're really talking about how do we enable the citizen developer 
what's the right governance model to, to be able to deploy across an organization for almost like a viral creation and adoption of apps. That is fundamentally not our focus within Fast Track insofar as a customer makes an investment and they want to go ahead and do some sales automation or field service or uh, for that matter, project operations. They're attached specifically to a model-driven app. And it's not to say that when we look at the overarching solution architecture, that there isn't a Canvas app here or some other component of the power platform, like whatever falls into that, that project in terms of scope, in terms of solution architect, we don't shy away from that. We cover it. But in terms of our model, where it's a pure power apps play and that sit dev model comes into play, that really is something that's owned by our power app. PowerCat team. They're almost like, it's a different name, but it's almost like a fast track for Power Apps for that, okay. to support that sit dev model. All right. That really helps clarify it. I had Mark Schweiger on the show a few episodes ago and talking about the LM processes for Power Apps. Sometimes these things shift and change a little bit and it's great to get an update on that. So thank you. What I really wanted to dive into was, it feels to me like a brand new framework. There's a book released in May. It's called Success by Design. And that's the name of the framework that Fast Track has developed to help customers and partners be more successful and achieve their business outcomes with their Dynamics project. Do you want to share with us a little bit more insight into what success by design is and where it came from and, and really where it's going? That'd be great too. Yes. And I'm excited to do in particular, I think what is interesting is a question that commonly comes to mind before we really get into answering the question is this, is this just another methodology? Is it like SureStep 3.0? How does it fit in? And I think to answer that question, first off, we are not attempting to replace SureStep. The, the goal here isn't to, uh, to create an overlay methodology on top of the proven approaches that uh, our Dynamics 365 partners bring to the market. We want to lead that to our partner channel and driving successful projects. But I think what you can say about success by design as a framework is there is a governance the governance is specifically tied or in a way married to um, what's going on from an engineering perspective. If you think about your early days with, with Microsoft CRM or Dynamics 365, it was months between release cycles. It was so easy to learn everything that there was to know and be an expert in so many different things. Those days in, in, in a lot of ways are gone. Insofar as I can't keep up with the number of apps, I can't keep up with the number of changes, both on an app and a platform level. And as a result of that, there's a general risk that sort of exists with customers who are deciding to invest in our cloud service that we have a responsibility to put some engineering skin in the game, to provide an individual who is not part of a sales organization or some other entity that's dry, tr attempting within Microsoft to drive you know, more revenue. What we are here to do is to help maximize the customer's investment and commitment to the, to the product that they are now attempting to implement. And years ago, just to give some perspective, when Fast Track started, I think we adopted the name some years ago, but before we were Fast Track, it was essentially a, a customer partner success model where we just identified individuals who had been there and done from an implementation lifecycle perspective, most often solution architects who had intimacy with the technology and at the same time had just gone through the war wounds of X number of implementations and 
in some ways in the early days, it was a cross your fingers approach that if we put attached to an implementation, if they're plugged in enough to the conversations that are happening throughout the implementation lifecycle, that by sheer force of will, we would have a positive influence on the implementation. I think there's a problem with that fundamentally because not every solution architect is created equal. We've got individuals on our team who have been credited with partaking or participating in the writing of the first CRM SDK and others who are much more functionally oriented or have specific expertise in certain areas. And so when James Phillips is sitting in front of a Gardner analyst and talking about the customer success program fast track that, that we have, um, when he's challenged by, how do I know if I put Seth or if I put Neil onto exactly the same project in a blind test, whether the outcome is going to be the same or not, what success by design is really designed to do is level an important set of questions that are, call it implementation lifecycle timed appropriate so that early on in the engagement, I'm asking a specific set of questions that allow me to unearth certain responses, certain information that would allow me to effectively assess whether or not there's a risk project or technical to, to pay attention to. As we get into the implementation lifecycle, there are a number of what we call reviews or workshops that allow us to go a little bit deeper. So if we want to um, focus in on data migration or integration or reporting or ALM, another set of well-placed questions that allow us to dive deep and assess the risk. But in most cases, success by design, I would say is two things. It's, a, it's an opportunity to slow the project team down a little bit, to do meaningful self-reflection, in many cases, the partner who's leading the implementation has already, you know, communicated a lot of what would come in the form of our findings, but sometimes not. And sometimes they'll come to us and say, we really need to partner together with you to drive home this message of, you know, how important it is to have healthy ALM practices, because what we're finding is we're having some challenges there. And these are certain messages that we need to drive home. If we think about what success by design is at its core. The goal is always helping the customer to maximize their investment. But we do that through making sure that the customer can go live with a roadmap aligned, durable solution that is less risk, carries less risk with it. We've, we've sussed out those problems or issues so that before we go live, we find ourselves in a situation of dealing with it then, as opposed to when it's having meaningful business impact as one partner put it not long ago, there was a blog post that I saw on LinkedIn. And essentially what the person said is, I wasn't sure about success by design initially, but as I got into it, had some experience. What I love about it is that it, it creates an opportunity for us to essentially allow the, to hit the fan early, to identify what the stuff is that is going to impact the project as early as possible so that we can address it then, as opposed to it having this bigger impact downstream, if that right. makes sense. Yeah, if the project has big systemic risks, you want to discover that in the initiation phase, not in the cutover night <laughs> when it's you know too late to do anything about it. So yeah, it sounds like a good approach to de-risk those complex enterprise kind of projects. Yeah, I've taken the Microsoft Catalyst training and the Success by Design training, and they seem complementary, but neither one mentions the other. Can you maybe enlighten us in that? Now, are they designed to fit together or is it just circumstances that brought them together so that we've got Catalyst as a great pre-sales way of engaging uh, customers and unearthing opportunities and then 
Success by Design picks up from that point and then implements the Dynamics 365 products. Is that a fair way to characterize them? I actually think you've summarized it better than I could if I was to carry on about it. And I don't think it's super intentional that we don't mention one another per se, if that's the perception. I think it's a reflection more about where our centers of gravity are. Although Fast Track does get engaged on a very limited basis in pre-sales to support strategic deals, our center of gravity is really the implementation lifecycle. We get engaged at project kickoff and stay engaged at a minimum through uh, stabilization post go live for certain customers. We have a perpetual engagement because they've been identified as strategic to to Microsoft and we're almost evergreen as they continue to uh, make different investments in Dynamics 365. But I think what you said about the two different groups, uh, one being more pre-sales oriented, whereas we are really focused on successful delivery is probably why. No other intention. Just thinking about success by design and the resources that are available, there's the ebook, which we'll, I'll come back to at the moment. We've also got the success by design website, which has got some e-learning uh, material there. Ritual Profit has got a great series on YouTube. Yeah, sure. So I'd encourage anybody to, if you want to learn more and you're a visual learner, Rachel's a great presenter and content creator. So I'll put a link in the show notes to her content. Well, let's come back to the ebook for a moment. It was published in May, and I was thinking, oh, this is going to be a nice guide. There's going to be some nice illustrations in it. It's 658 pages. This thing is deep and broad. It's uh, pretty detailed. For a, for a version 1.0 of a guide, Seth, this is uh, a pretty comprehensive description of the framework. Can you tell us w- what the rationale behind you know, coming out of the gate with such a um, you know, big piece of content is and, and where it's headed? Yeah, I, I have to cut in on the page length. So let's uh, let's make sure that we uh, check back in on that. But the history is an interesting one. There are numerous customers, as you can imagine, that qualify for Fast Track in terms of their investment. And for whatever reason, maybe there's a lack of awareness or knowledge during the sales cycle that this is an option for them. There are some customers that qualify, know about Fast Track and basically say, no, I'm not interested. And then there's this whole group of customers that ultimately wouldn't qualify. But how do we spread the goodness that Fast Track has to break? Keeping that in mind, James Phillips was on a, a trip actually to the APAC region about 18 months ago. It was just prior to COVID. And the customer that he was talking to, I, I believe in New Zealand, had basically said, look, I love my fast track solution architect. We get you know so much out of our interactions with that person. But geez, James, it just, it feels like there's it, the, the information that we get from this individual ought to be codified someplace. And it's not, don't you have anything or would, would you have something and not talking about Microsoft docs, really the knowledge that in addition to the, the success by design framework that fast track solution architect might bring on any topic. I want those questions. I want that thinking. I want the frames of reference that they bring into discussion, but I want it on my own without actually having to pick up a telephone or to, to set a meeting on the calendar to get them engaged. And James came home and he came to his SLT and said, this is the, the next project that we have going on. And in his mind, he wanted to answer the customer's request. He also saw the wisdom and the idea that if we could take what Neil Benson knows about data migration, about integration, about ALM and supplement that with things that Fast Track has to say about that, that that might be a good thing. And you're an experienced implementer with many years within this space, but also you look at an individual who 
They might be a business user who's been introduced to a project and been told that they're going to play this particular role on, on, on the project. And they've got no clue about what Dynamics 365 is. They've never implemented a business application before, and they don't know the, what they don't know. They don't know the questions to ask, et cetera. And so if you think about eligible for fast track or not, we're really through the implementation guide, attempting to really settle the score, provide support, which if you have a fast track essay on your project, you're supplementing the value and knowledge that you would get from that individual by having access to this guide. Our experienced architect, same thing, coming in, leading the engagement, you've got access to the guide. It should be just a confirmation of the things that you already know and may bring to bear in your own implementation lifecycle. But we're also wanting to serve those customers who are not eligible for fast track and the personas want to be able to walk into a meeting about data migration or enter a conversation about ALM and be in the ballpark. I'm going to, I'm going to read the checklist associated to that particular chapter. There are key questions that are being asked. Why are they being asked? Some of that is explained and it really, you talk about the, the, the length of the book. We were a little bit nervous when we, when we did it, when we came out the back end of it and realized like, oh my gosh, 600 and how many of our pages it is. Are we going to get feedback from the, from the community or even our competitors that see implementing Dynamics 365 is challenging and proof of it is the length of this guide. But when we started out, what we said was it would be really important for us when we wrote a chapter on a particular topic that we give full treatment to it. And that meant not a lightweight treatment of the things that you need to think about from project governance perspective or from a data management perspective or from an environment strategy perspective. That full treatment really ought to allow you to pick and choose. I don't need to read the entire book. If I want just the chapter on ALM, I can read it and have a grounding in the topic and I could be done. I may not come back to the book or any of those chapters for a while, but when I'm ready, I can go and have that, that look at I'm finished with my implementation. I want to now look at driving app. That's a whole other treatment. So we were stuck between a rock and a hard place insofar as we, we wanted uh, very much to be able to give substance to our implementing community. And, and this is not a sales tool as fast track is not a sales tool. We were giving substance in order to really help to drive value. And we hope that our implementing community feels that, sees that based on what they've seen. But in some, yep, the book is big because we had to give full treatment to these topics, many of which are challenging in and of themselves. Implementing a business application, whether it's dynamics or not, as you know, Neil, in your own experiences, and, and ultimately James' goal uh, really was how do we give fast track and success by design to every customer, not just the ones that are eligible for it. So that was the spirit. I've listened to some community feedback on success by design. I just wanted to challenge you in a couple of things. Its format at the moment is a single big ebook. If it was published as a series of docs on, on the docs website, then the community could provide feedback and input, maybe a little bit easier than a monolithic ebook. Uh, is there any plans to, to change how it's published in the future? Yeah, in fact, by November, we should actually have a landing page on Docs with an intro. What it will allow now our implementing community to do or anybody who happens upon the Docs site is to download the, the chapters individually and then some of the chapter artifacts like the checklist or potentially certain graphics that could be, you know, useful in the context of an implementation. Again, 
we gotten feedback like, hey, are we ever going to get deliverable templates and that kind of thing? And as I said a minute ago, the plan isn't for the success by design implementation guide to be a sure step 3.0. So we're not, we're not going to go there. But I will say this, we took on that project starting in October of uh, 2020. By May, we had the book. There wasn't wow. a really good way in 189 days for us to, to work within any other format. We know at some point, Scott Guthrie is going to call James Phillips and say, hey, why isn't the book completely on docs? We are making a transition there. So over the course of the next number of releases, I think that's something that you will see. And we are super keen to be able to implement a feedback mechanism that offers us an understanding of who's reading and literally by paragraph what it is that uh, that you might have to say about a particular set of content so that we can bring that into our backlog, react to it, and serve the community of implementers in a way that we intended to when we set foot into writing this, this book. Thinking about the training resources that Fast Track provides, there is a kind of set of resources for success by design, and there's a knowledge check at the end of it, but it's not really what I would call a comprehensive training, and certainly there's no certification mechanism yet. Is that something you're considering in the future? Is there going to be an exam that people can sit to, to showcase their expertise in success by design? So I don't know that there's particular plans for an actual certification exam. What I would say, though, is the training that is now available, and I can share the link with you on that, is a recorded set of training. We did a number of live trainings that occurred last year. We may return to those, that type of training, but the idea of that knowledge check is really in some ways to create a level of awareness that otherwise working together with Fast Track on a project you would get. What we found in certain cases is that a customer would be eligible for Fast Track. They would want to proceed in, in having Fast Track as a part of their overarching engagement. And what we would find is that in the heat of a sales cycle, the implementing partner would uh, put together an SOW, not really anticipate that Fast Track would be engaged. And yeah, there was good feedback that, wait a second, like this is clunky. I now have to figure out how within the scope of work that I, I need to deliver that I also comply with this. And so part of the, the, the learning resources that are there, the, the training that we did, the, the learn content that's out there now was to generate a level of awareness so that as we get into a project kickoff or before, the partner who's leading isn't surprised by the possibility that this may be a construct that they have to live within throughout the implementation lifecycle. But right. certification, I don't know going forward. I, I can't see that happening in the near term. Okay, so if I'm a, a project team, in order to engage with Fast Track on a success by design type of project, I need to work for a silver or gold partner. And then I need to learn a little bit more about success by design and pass the knowledge check. And I think what you said is that that will really help me when I'm writing my statement of work to engage with my customer, make sure that there is time set aside for that solution blueprint review. There's effort set aside for the, the go live readiness workshop and those other kind of milestone workshops that Success by Design brings in. Is that right? That's correct. Okay, cool. Can you share maybe some examples? I don't know if there are any public case studies yet of customers and partners who benefited from Success by Design. I'd love to learn more about them and you know, perhaps even invite them onto the show as future podcast guests. 
Let us think that as an action item. In fact, you may have seen in the implementation guide references to numerous customers. And one of the things that, uh, that we will be doing is surfacing in an upcoming implementation guide release, just a, a list of customers who have benefited. We definitely have a series of references that, uh, that are willing to have a conversation like this. Let me take it away as an action item and we'll follow up so that you can, uh, you can follow up the series with, with talking directly with a customer. Looking through the implementation guide, there's a massive emphasis on the role of the solution architect. You have elevated them to a kind of hero status. Is sure. that purposeful? What role do other people in a project team play? Everything seems to be done by the, the burdened solution architect. Is that a fair comment? I think it is a fair comment. And I, I think probably a, a reflection of the bias of the authors that participated <laughs> in, in writing the book. We did endeavor with a professional editor to try to level the voice of, of the book, but it is a fair criticism. And I think one of the things that, that, that we do need to do, we've heard feedback about this, is to make sure that upcoming versions that we really look at the content through different personas. I, I would say just providing forgiveness to the fast track team that was engaged in writing the first version that, that we were under uh, some time pressure. And so they wrote what they knew through their lens, but that persona based approach by chapter is, uh, is, is something that we ought to endeavor to really level set into so that if, if I'm a project manager or if I'm a, a developer, or I play some other role, I, I can look at a chapter with a particular lens and not constantly feel like the solution architect is the only lens by which I, I can consume this material. That would be a good idea, especially for project managers and, and others who want to consume this content. Now, I've met some amazing fast track architects, but if you read this thing, you think they can carry this project by themselves. Yeah. <laughs> Off you yeah. go. Good. What's, uh, what's next for success by design? Do you see it following a particular release cycle? Are you just going to get updates out as quickly as you can? Is there a team within your group who are dedicated to updating this framework? Or are you still going to have that model of, of trying to distill the field practices from the architects who are out there working on projects? Yeah, in the immediate future, and this has always been a part of the plan for the implementation guide, we are committed to twice yearly releases. So we've got to, and I'm excited to say this because it's the first time it's been publicly announced that uh, a release, the second release of the book, which is coming uh, uh, on October 8th, and we will follow that up with with an April release and, and so forth. In terms of this upcoming release, one of the things that we really attempted to do, there's a lot of, how shall I say, like expressions of value that Fast Track brings or touches the market with, whether it's our, you know, workshop content and the way that we express the success by design framework within the context of the project. There are partner architect boot camps. There are tech talks. There's a lot of material that's out there. And when we wrote the book, it's not that there wasn't a broad awareness of all of that content, but we're making an extra special effort to make sure that there's a single voice across every one of those value expressions. And so while readers in this second release may not notice an enormous number of changes for the release, that underpinning the work that we did for the October release and, and will continue for the April releases, there's just this internal alignment. So all of those value expressions, no matter where you go, ought to be singing from the same song sheet. What we realized is we didn't want a partner or customer to say, wait a second, when I went through this success by design workshop with your team and we focused in on integration, you set this and this was the guidance that you gave, but it, it's nowhere to be found in the book or vice versa. 
So we're doing some reconciling there. And I think that's just by dint of trying to write a book within a six month period and knowing like we had to make some choices. I will say that in, in the April release, and we're excited about it, we're adding some new chapters. There's going to be one on change management. We're partnering with our customer success unit. You may have worked with a customer success manager on an engagement in the past. Their focus is more user adoption and change management. That's not an area of expertise that Fast Track claims to have. We do by dint of just being there and maybe familiarity, but we're working together with that team within Microsoft to give a full treatment on change management, which we think it is appropriate. We're also creating a companion volume of process architectures, if you could imagine it, customers come into an implementation and as a starting point, there's a question of, okay, I've got a sales process that eventually leads to opportunity management, which leads to order management or what have you. Sometimes having those baseline processes are useful to start a discussion around what are my requirements and how do I arrive at the automated version of this? We want to be able to provide that baseline, but we also want to, on top of those process architectures, identify a perspective that is Microsoft's, which says, and these are the apps that you can use in order to automate that particular process or set of sub-processes, even if it means that you're going to leverage this independent software vendor or other solution alongside Dynamics 365 to do it. So we've got new chapters coming, some companion volumes. There's an ongoing effort to continue to align with success by design. And I would even say in the future, yes to the transition to docs that's uh, that's on the the lookout and who knows um, there may be even an opportunity to do some guest authoring there is a team right now that's sort of dedicated to uh, to driving the success by design implementation guide content but as we kicked off and the the new year which starts for us in July at Microsoft one of the things that we said was we we want attrition among those ranks because this book wasn't written by an individual. It's been written ultimately by our team. And Rachel Prophet, you mentioned her name, trying to recruit her to, to become part of the team so that she can take a crack at whatever topics she really wants. But again, as we get into new content, as we look at refreshing existing content, having that cycle, a cross cycle of individuals from our team that are contributing make, makes a difference in terms of the rich, richness of the content. So hopefully that's a, a good overview. Yeah, thanks, Seth. Well, full credit to the team behind it. I've been really impressed working my own way through the content, and I'm looking forward to applying what they've shared with my customers in, in future projects. I'm going to share with um, the audience, there's the link to the Docs website where they can find the overview of success by design and some of the learning resources. They can download the guide from there. There'll be Rachel's video series. Any other calls to action? What would you encourage our audience to do with the information that we've shared in this podcast episode? Yeah, I would say if you haven't had the opportunity to, to look at the implementation guide, please go ahead and do that. We'll make sure to share the link. The other thing is October 8th is the new release. And by U.S. Thanksgiving time, we should have it actually a docs presence where you can begin to download the book on a chapter basis so that you're not stuck with a 593 page document. If you just need to know what we have to think or say about data management or integration, you could just you know, download that portion of the guide and, and use it for hopefully immediate value. Well, Seth, thanks so much for joining us and, and sharing a lot of information of really valuable content around fast track and success by design. I really appreciate you coming onto the show. Thanks so much for listening to the Amazing Apps podcast. You can join the show's mailing list at amazingapps.show. You'll get a personalized welcome video from yours truly, 
and a notification when there's a new episode available. There are also shortcuts so you can follow the show on all major podcast players. And you can follow Amazing Apps Show on Twitter, LinkedIn, YouTube, Instagram, and Facebook. You can send me a message or a voicemail if you'd like your question answered on a future episode and even support the show through Buy Me A Coffee or by buying an Amazing Apps t-shirt. Visit amazingapps.show. Thanks again for listening. I really appreciate you. Until next time, take care and keep sprinting. <laughs>